in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Unplugged Podcast by the Athlete Technology Group. I am your host, Randy Osei, and today we're joined by my dear friend, entrepreneur, <laughs> investor, businessman, and overall hooper, Swish Goswami. Swish is a 23-year-old serial entrepreneur, three-time TEDx speaker, LinkedIn youth editor, and Forbes Tech Council contributor with over 170,000 followers across all of his social channels. Swish is now the co-founder and CEO of TrueFan, a social intelligence platform helping brands and agencies make smarter marketing decisions using data. On top of which, Switch <laughs> has previously acted as a consultant for Fortune 500 companies such as Google, Western Union, and American Express. He also sits on various boards, including uh, the social media platforms Dunk and Six Buzz, uh, League of Innovators, and funny enough, the Athlete Technology Group. Swish is also an investor as he's invested into Face Clan, Mile Innovations Group, and Upstream. Swish Goswami, welcome to the Unplugged Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Randy. That was a, a very kind bio. And uh, I think the most important thing to pull from that bio is Cooper, uh, <laughs> which Randy and I have definitely got up. <laughs> We're going to get into the name. Yeah. They change it to Swoosh. Oh my God. <laughs> Here we go. But, but Swish, you know, how life's been good. You know, you, you spent some time back, back West in, mm -hmm. in Calgary and Vancouver. Um, how do you, how do you stay on top of everything? You're building this potential multi-million dollar company, sit on multiple boards. You contribute to all of these publications. You run a team of, I know there's more than 10 people that work at TrueFan right now. Like yep. you got hands in so many things. Three questions. One, how do you make time for everything? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I think first of all, I mean, 95% of my focus is TrueFan. So, you know, it looks like I'm doing quite a lot, definitely on social media, um, because there's so many cool updates from some of the companies that I sit on the board for, or there's a lot of cool updates in companies I invest in, or with speaking, it comes maybe once a week. But 95% of my time when I'm at home grinding away at my laptop is true fan related. Um, the second, though, is I have had issues of time management in the past, you know, and even two months ago, going into June, maybe because of COVID, I started to have a really hard time delineating my like life at work and my life just, you know, normally. And right. I started to work absurd hours um, and I burnt out. And it was great to kind of go back to Calgary, go back to where my mom lives. Um, have some home cooked meals, but also just kind of reset and be in a slower environment where I could easily pick, okay, here are the things I need to spend time on, kind of recalibrate my focus and keep going from there. So in no means do I think I'm an expert when it comes to time management and how to figure all of that out. Absolutely. No, uh, for those of you that, that follow Swish, uh, not everyone's a close friend. I seen a lot of butter chicken. There was a lot yeah. of <laughs> on his story. Yes, it was, yes. It was great to see. Great and to that's see. a big thing. You know, when I went back home, I, I kind of made it a goal to not only develop professionally, but to learn some stuff I probably should have learned when I was like 14, 15, 16. So I, I started driving. I started cooking. Um, I went for, you know, a morning run. Um, I painted a lot, like literally to spend time painting and drawing things I enjoyed doing when I was a child, but didn't really get to do later on. And 
that was really cool, honestly, to go back to stuff like that, which ignites your creative energy and makes you want to keep going. Absolutely. Now, during this time, were you still working on True Fan? Was this a break from True Fan, or were you just now making more time for other things in your life? It was the latter. Um, still working at True Fan. You know, we've been going through a crazy period since COVID began. We've picked up about 700 customers in the last four months, about 4,000 free users. Our team has gone from 13 to 20 people, and we're raising money as well, um, which is going to be really exciting. So, there were just so many changes that it's hard for me to kind of take a week or two or three weeks off. But that being said, I definitely wasn't pressing that hard on TrueFan. You know, I was, I was starting to trust a lot of my team members to kind of pick up um, some slack and to also kind of cover for me in certain meetings, to cover for me in certain calls that I didn't need to be a part of. Because a big part of my reason for going back to Calgary was getting good sleep, eating properly and working out and making sure I was staying healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, one of the big things, you know, for me during COVID was, you know, my own wellness and making sure mm -hmm. Randy, um, not busy as Swish, I don't have my hands in as mm -hmm. many things as Swish, but I am a fairly busy gentleman. So, you know, for me, yep. I, I really use the time to take care of Randy, you know, as, a, yep. as an entrepreneur, um, you wear multiple hats and mm -hmm. you're an example of that. So, um, mm -hmm. about not being someone that like you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. Right. You exactly. Need to recalibrate. Um, exactly. If we could get a, a self care tip from mm. Switch, what would that be? Just, I think, yeah, I think number one, my, my biggest tip for, for self care is more of, you know, it's hard to walk. Like when you go online and you hear all these self care tips, like meditate in the morning or, you know, turn off your phone an hour before you go to bed, stuff like that. It, it's great to remember to do, but it might not work with your schedule. So the biggest thing I learned is there's no real time for self-care. And what I mean by that is you could do it at 12 p.m., you could do it at 4 p.m., you could do it at 8 p.m., but take some time to just reset and to think about what you did. Like, think about what you did that day. And so for me now, the biggest thing I do is I take a lot of notes of my day, either through my calendar or via texting myself. And I go back around like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. when I'm eating dinner, I go back through my text and I try to see what I did that day to just remember, A, how much I might have gone through, which makes me feel great as a person. But B, what are some things I absolutely need to concentrate on for tomorrow that I needed to schedule, send an email for, put into my to-do list, etc. So I think it's just great to be able to kind of go through my day now and not feel like I have to get things done throughout, but to be able to like write it down at the end of the day, sit down with a wine or sit down with my dinner and go through and kind of schedule everything from there. You said sit down with wine. Wine. Yeah. Is wine. <laughs> yeah. Swish, where does the name come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my full name is Swarochish. Um, S-W-A-R-O-C-H-I-S-H, which is a very long Indian name. Um, and so I was born in Singapore where all my friends called me Manu, which is the family nickname I was given. So my mom, my brother, they call me Manu. Uh, I know it's very confusing. I'm, I'm many names, but I then went to the Calgary Science School when I moved to Canada and my coach, Mr. McWilliam, who was our daily physical activity teacher, but also our basketball coach, he was really insistent on trying to call me by my full name. He's like, I don't want to call you by your nickname. You know, I want to call you Swarochish. But it's kind of hard, you know, when, I'm, when he's on the bench and he's trying to call something out to me like, yo, Swarochish. It's like, it's a kind of long name to kind of put out. So he started kind of shortening it down and kind of gave me the nickname Swish, taking the first two letters, last three letters, putting it together. Um, 
and so it kind of caught on even in high school i told people my name was swish online i started telling people my name was swish um and so the only time i regret calling myself swish is really on the basketball court because it's way too much pressure when you come in and you're like yo 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 my name's swish <laughs> I go, so it's a little too much like oh shit okay all right bro <laughs> uh, i guess you said you had a coach so this means you played on the team I played on for the Calgary Science School team, and then I also played on the Weber Academy team, my high school, and then I played a bit of club basketball in grade 11 for an organization called Collective. So I was never like, I was never a really good player. I think I was a solid three point, I was a good shooter, I guess. I was like a solid shooter, uh, and I played good defense, like I hustled back on D. But the issue is, you know, I, had, I have glasses throughout my life. I'm not like that strong and built. So at a certain age, you know, when all these guys started going and getting shredded, Meanwhile, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not the tallest person in my grade anymore. My whole advantage is gone now. So I kind of needed to develop another part of my game. And that's where, you know, being that outside shooter, which is something I still do, came to, came to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, basketball is a, a big part of your life. You know, mm -hmm. you see you on social. We see you, you know, courtside at Raptors games. Some <laughs> Shut up. I saw, <laughs> I saw you there. I saw you. <laughs> I saw you there too, bro. <laughs> My name's not Swish. It's just Randy. Um, walk us through your, you know, your childhood. Like, obviously, we know where you are now, but when did this entrepreneurial spirit grow from you? Is there a time, you know, as as a kid growing up that I was like, you know what, I may want to create my own thing. Like, is there a time that you can take us to that kind of sparked that interest for you and drove you down this um, lane, avenue? Totally. I mean, there are two things there. One is the influence I had, in, I had story around me when I was growing up. So when I was in Singapore and Calgary, I grew up in an ultra competitive family. Like my brother was someone who, for example, when I started debating in grade seven, he had won the world championship in grade 12 in Qatar for Team Canada. You know, he went on to finish uh, law school at the top of his class. He went on to now clerk at Supreme Court. And he is someone who does everything um, incredibly well. And he's really smart. And he, he's generally also a really nice and humble guy. But like that, there's obviously some brotherly love, but there's also some brotherly competition that kind of brewed, especially when we were growing up and playing basketball and cricket and volleyball and trying to one up each other. That was number one. I think number two, from an influencer's perspective, was movies. You know, like I watched a lot of movies that told me that there's more to life than just getting a job, working nine to five getting married, retiring, and then just, you know, waiting to die. Like, I, I, I just grew up watching movies that told me of kind of these alternative paths of doing what you love, being able to work incredibly hard, and, you know, being able to work wherever you want with whoever you want. Like, these types of narratives kind of cemented into my mind through movies and, and books. And so for me, I always wanted to go down that path. Even if I went to law school and became a lawyer, I knew eventually I wanted to run my own business. Um, but I think the experiences I had growing up definitely taught me a lot because at the age of seven, you know, I built something with my hover, uh, with my dad, we built a hovercraft, a remote controlled and rechargeable hovercraft from scratch. And that was a great feeling to kind of build something from nothing. Um, when I was 14, I joined a really crazy program called Junior Achievement. We created a custom lapels pins company and we started selling pins, which was my first experience in selling. And then when I was 17, I built a social venture called Canda Thinks to help young people get funded. Even if it was $100 or $500, I wanted to throw fundraisers across the world to have youth-run startups get money. So all of those experiences, I think, kind of shaped who I am now in terms of 
wanting to build something from scratch, loving the sales and marketing process, but always thinking about my overall social purpose, which is something that you can kind of thread back throughout my life. 100%, 100%. So through your story, you know, we hear a lot of innovation, we hear a lot of trying, we hear a lot of mm -hmm. community and family. And, um, where, do, where do you see those things in your life now? And how important have those things been in driving your own success? Yeah, I mean, it's very important to me, you know, number one, for example, family is the most important thing to me. You know, I've, uh, I've had a fair share of tribulations on the family side in the last two, three years, you know, my parents getting divorced at uh, you know, an age where I can remember it and it feels significant. And more importantly, in a, in a pretty shitty way, like their divorce isn't, it's still not even over, by the way. It's like, it's still going on, which is a pain in the ass. But um, that, you know, mixed in with some deaths in my family have made me realize that um, the people that I'm surrounded by, um, I want to make sure I hold them close and very dear to my heart. And so if you are kind of within my inner circle, um, I try to do everything I can to be there for people, especially now with COVID. Like, I don't think you need an excuse to just reach out and say, hey, how's it going? Um, which I love. Um, and then secondly, past even family, I think one of the things I love about my childhood was just this curiosity to try different things. You know, for me, like I've done some really dumb things in my life as well. I'm not a child genius in any way, but I feel like the moments where I've come across brilliance have always started with just like weird, like, hmm, can I do this? Like even with TrueFan or with dropping out of school and just wanting to go to New York and work, you know, these types of moments all started with just curiosity of like, what if? And so I still have those what if moments. I still dream. And I love that I do that because I never want that energy to leave myself. Absolutely. Those creative juices, um, yep. you, could never, you could never have them stop or, or anything like that. Yep. Um, I want to ask you one more question about, um, you know, your past and, you know, let's get into, you know, today and what the future looks like. Mm -hmm. um, your interest, your interest in technology, right? Yep. You know, what got, what got you started in tech in the first place? And were you always interested in technology? I think movies definitely kicked it off for me. I remember when I was seven years old, Iron Man 1 came out. And that show was the coolest thing I've ever watched in my life. And then there were a couple of Bollywood movies that dealt with AI and quantum computing. And I felt like I was really interested in reading up on tech and seeing kind of how the world was shifting. And then I think one of the kind of moments where I realized, holy crap, I am a part of tech is when I started really taking social media seriously. And that was maybe around 14, 15, when I started posting actively on social media, on Facebook, and later on on Twitter, and then on Instagram. And I started to note, holy crap, like now when I look back when I'm 23 and I look back at the night last like 10 years, a lot has changed. And it's crazy how fast tech moves. And that's something I definitely wanted to be a part of. So starting, you know, TrueFan has been a great way to even visualize that. Like I remember the first iteration of our product six months in when it was, I think, August or maybe even, you know, July of 2018 um, to now where we have this really awesome solution. It's very well built out, a proper team. And this is only within two years, which kind of shows how quickly you can move within tech, which is definitely something I'm very attracted to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tech is relevancy. You understand. It is. You understand yep. the world. Um, and where it's going, which I think is incredibly important with anything, with investing, with speaking, you know, the way that, you know, you go ahead and provide value to people isn't just by telling them what's currently happening, but where things are going. That's the number one question that everyone had, even with COVID, where are things going? The people that made a lot of money were the people that predicted, hey, Zoom, this is probably going to be used a lot. We should probably put some money into this and made money off a platform that easily most people should have seen being, becoming popular. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I wonder where Skype was. Cause Zoom is great. Yeah. Is it still- I mean, but I think Skype is still a thing. I just think Skype got, you know, obviously bought out by a very big bureaucratic organization. And that's one thing that I like about tech as well. You know, the playing field is incredibly equal because yes, bigger companies have a lot more resources to work with, but they can't move as fast. So being a startup, it's actually insane what sort of competitive advantage you have over some of the big dogs in your industry. A hundred percent. I was, uh, you know, I'd love to chime in on this point when we look at, um, you know, corporate tech and startup tech, right? Comparing, mm-hmm. um, I like to think of the comparison as, um, you know, big tech um, using a big vehicle on a smooth road, right? right. Smooth right. road, big tech, you own the road. But mm-hmm. now road is damaged and there's potholes and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. As a big vehicle, you have big assets, big yep. liabilities. So one thing that COVID has shown us is that if you're a startup mm-hmm. and a small car on that same road to be yep. able to avoid a yep. pop and get around things and you're a lot more nimble and quick. Yep. Yep. In fact, you brought up that uh, um, tech is an equal playing field, no matter you're starting or you're, you know, making over a billion dollars a year. It's very, very equal. Exactly. Even with TrueFan, like we in April changed our whole pricing model in four days. Like we changed our pricing model. We thought about it and three days later, all the changes were put up on our website. I don't know if most organizations can do that at a very big level. You know, they have to go through legal. They got to go through due diligence. They got to consult various departments. It takes them a month or two to even get that going. Exactly. No, my, my, uh, my girlfriend works for a big corporate brand and she's like, oh, I got this great idea. Like, all right, well, why don't you present this? Like, ah, it's not that easy. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. We go talk to our comms team, talk to sales, talk to our supply chain, and yep. get approval from 24 different places before yep. we change the O in our logo or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Something so yeah, small yeah, yeah, yeah. takes so long. Yeah. So, um, I think that's one of the big things, especially with COVID, yep. is um, COVID and pandemic advertising entrepreneurship like there's a new wave of entrepreneurship there's a new wave of opportunity mm-hmm. and if you're a go-getter like swish there's a time there's something there for you because there's a bunch of problems that the you know the big corporate techs can't solve because yep. they have to go through these three-month processes of, of changing things but if you're an entrepreneur a, a startup navigating these things are a lot easier and a lot yeah. quicker so I encourage everyone listening to this podcast to, if you've been thinking of an idea that has made sense to you for a very long time, mm-hmm. now's the time to start. Don't wait yep. for after to see what the world looks like because this window, yep. one, this window might not even go anywhere. <laughs> Two, this window could be gone and the new normal or the new world that we live in, there may not be no space. So mm-hmm. create, create things that you're passionate about. Absolutely. So, Swish, you know, as an entrepreneur, as an investor, as a businessman, as a community leader, as a, as a speaker, as an influencer, um, you know, your biggest, I think your biggest hat is your, your influence in entrepreneurship, right? And you've been uh, in the entrepreneurial game for a while now. How much do you enjoy what you do on a basis? 
day-to-day basis? I really enjoy it, especially now where, you know, we have a, uh, I don't think a very big team, but we definitely have a team, you know, we're at close to 20 people and I just love working with them. I think we picked some incredible people that are funny, they're compassionate, they're incredibly hardworking and we push each other and that's great to see. So I feel like the early days of entrepreneurship, obviously you're a bit lonely, you're, you got all these doubts and anxieties and fears and you're dealing with them on your own in your head. Now I feel comfortable to share them with a wider team to get some self-assurance or to get some healthy debate and to move on, which is great. So I think what is happening right now is a great stage in our company. I enjoy it a lot. And then overall too, like I think one of the benefits and the, I guess, fulfilling parts of entrepreneurship is looking back and realizing what you've done and realizing the impact that you've made and thinking about what more you can do. So I'm incredibly grateful for what we've done in the last two and a half years. And I'm more than optimistic about what's coming up too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you, you talked about, you know, your team, um, Mm -hmm. obviously everyone's working from home, everything's remote. What are some of your, you know, communication apps that you use for your team? You know, I could say at ATG, we're big, big, big users of zoom, Slack, Mm -hmm. Trello, Google drive. That's, those are the four places that we play and we play there every day. What are, what are the places that true fan plays in? Yeah, so Slack and Zoom, very similar to you guys. We love using those platforms. And then all of our documents uh, that we work on are on one database called Notion. You should definitely check Notion out if you haven't heard of it. But um, it's a great place to just work on the same documents at the same time with your team. But to have it kind of shaped in a really beautiful UI where you can kind of put various pages together, see them side by side, and kind of work um, with your team on various documents at the same time. So we store all of our documents on Notion. And then I think the fourth and final thing is email for us. And for email, we've made a really strong commitment to using Superhuman. So it's a great add-on to Gmail. It allowed you basically to basically go through your email a lot quicker because Superhuman acts as a filter on top of your email that allows you to go through and remind yourself to get back to certain people at a certain time. You can also go through and you can see your calendar on the right side when you're going and booking a meeting and sending someone an email. So you don't have to go back and forth between your calendar and the email. Um, They're just small things that allow you to get through your email a lot quicker and feel happier while going through email. So we have a very strong commitment to using Superhuman as well. Superhuman. Interesting. I can definitely refer you to, by the way, their onboarding is fantastic. Like they, they onboard every single person like a VIP you know, one-to-one, you get on an onboarding call, they go through it with you. And if you want to go forward, you can go forward. If you don't, it's totally fine. But they just want you to feel like you're the most important person in the room, which is what I love. That's amazing. Customer experience is, is, is super important. And let's, let's chat about that in, in terms of, of true fan, realizing that you can't get in front of your customers anymore. And yep. this, this remote world, how have you guys, um, focus on you know customer success and ensuring you know your 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 retention rates and returning customers are are staying at a high level totally i think three things one is actively making an effort to investing in it so we've spent all of our hiring dollars recently on customer success and trying to hire around that area we've brought on three four five people now who are really really dedicated um, towards customer success and making sure that we're building out a proper knowledge hub for our customers to be able to troubleshoot problems and look at videos and images to understand where things might be going wrong to make sure that if you have any question you can directly email us and you're guaranteed a response under 48 hours 
And we want to also make sure now that we're onboarding every single person that signs up for a platform. So we have a waiting list for every single paid plan right now. Um, and that waiting list is something that we likely will take off in the future when we're able to kind of go through our demand a lot better. But the waiting list allows us now to go through and for all the people, for example, who sign up for a $24 or $49 per month plan or core and basic plan, we can put you into a one-to-many webinar where you'll be able to go directly and ask questions over Zoom, watch a video that goes through the entire platform before you get into the platform for the first time. That's something we've instituted company-wide is making sure that no person gets into our platform without getting a demo first. Absolutely. How important is that demo, right? Because a lot of people are like, oh, just go on YouTube, yep. check it out on YouTube. YouTube will, will tell you everything. How important is that? I think it's really important because A, obviously, you know, certain people are really busy in their lives and you can't trust them to go on YouTube and watch a nine minute video and get through the entire thing. Obviously, a lot of people also have a lot of questions after that YouTube video, right? And asking those questions, you want to be able to do it immediately. You want to, you want to think of that question, you want to be able to ask it and get a response right back. So I find doing those demo calls insanely helpful. Um, also, one of the reasons why before we even instituted this policy, our main reason why some of our customers were leaving us is because they didn't actually understand how to use the platform fully. So they understood some of the core features, the one or two core features, but they didn't know about everything you could do around comparing reports or being able to go through and download your data into a CSV and PDF and re-upload it into Twitter to run ads. This is the type of stuff you can only learn in a demo call when we hear what you're coming onto the platform for and then build a tailored demo for your needs. 100%. I think one of the, 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 the greatest things and, you know, I, uh, I'm an avid fan of, of true fan. I've been a fan since 2018 when I believe I had first heard you guys were building this company. And, uh, I remember the first day we met in uh, January. The hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we were both hung over that morning. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely was. I was like, Coming I, down my hotel, was, like, holy shit, what is happening? This is I'm way like, too who early. This is weird. <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, watching TrueFan grow over even the last six months, TrueFan has grown into or has blossomed into this small business hub. TrueFan has launched this, you know, this resource library. Yep. Right. Little things yep. that help um, um, webinars, live events, obviously allowing people to sign up for the platform for free yep. is, is monumental um, mm -hmm. because that freemium model, right? Turning free using customers into paying customers. And how do you just yep. keep them in your wheelhouse? Apple does it. Apple does a great job of selling you the same thing with two new features, but the yep. price doesn't change. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, how Im I feel during COVID, there's been a, in, in my opinion, there's been a very, very, very um, strong and intentional push to building a brand mm -hmm. for a true fan, especially mm -hmm. in the small business space, right? Yep. Because talk about, people talk about adding value. If someone pays you, if your service costs $10, you yep. need to be able to give your customer a hundred dollars worth of value for that yep. ten dollars that they spent, right? Yep. Yep. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Because I mean, I have my own ideas, but it would be great to hear from uh, the great Swisho Lord. 
It's totally, yeah. No, I mean, I think there, there are two things, right? During COVID, number one, we wanted to make sure that whatever marketing we did, it was led by empathy because we didn't want to go through and do push marketing in a world where small businesses were scared of closing down and not even being able to pay their bills off. The last thing you want to see is some douchebag online telling you to buy their product for $20 and telling you like, you need to do it now. You need to do it now. You need to do it now. So the big thing we wanted to do was market our product and our service, but through empathy. And the way to do that is by understanding your end customer circumstances. So by doing that, especially during COVID, we started to think, what can we provide small business owners for free that would logically make them then think about using TrueFan? So we decided to put out you know, a free social media best practices guide. We decided to go through and build out an influencer marketing guide that we put out for free on a well-established knowledge hub, like you were saying, that was a library of photos, videos, text articles that you could read about social media marketing, the Waldo persona builder, and our platform. We also went through and we did a monthly virtual event for small business owners to learn from experts in the field. You know, we didn't even plug TrueFan in these events. These events were called Navigating the Unknown. We did it with the Vienna-based agency called Robin Dubois. And it was fantastic because we got people from ClearBank, like Andrew, who came out and spoke. You know, we got some stellar people across the board to just come out and share insights on how small business owners should think about this time. And then we also went through and we partnered with organizations like Digital Main Street to go through and work with Shopify and help now over 70,000 small businesses in Canada get online. And we've done free training sessions now for people that are interested in TrueFan, want to learn more about how they can activate their online community if they're a retailer or a restaurant or a company in the hospitality industry. So all of these things, again, it's a risk because we could spend a lot of the time doing this stuff and not even have one customer sign up. But I think it really comes down to our intention. And our intention at the end of the day was, irrespective of whether we get customers from this, we just felt like it was the right thing to do. It's the right thing at this point, knowing that we have a tool that we think can be insanely valuable to small businesses during this time, knowing that we have access to a network that could be very helpful to small businesses during this time, and knowing that we have knowledge built out in the form of articles and videos that could be very helpful to small businesses during this time. We felt it was our moral duty to share that and to share that for free. I think, I think you guys definitely hit it on the head. Um, the, the other thing to add to that is, um, you know, you're, you're, you're building a company, right? You're building and adding value and you're creating these assets that could be worth something at a mm -hmm. future time. Um, seeing that, you know, as, a, as, as, as someone that's so well-versed in the tech space, entrepreneurship, community so on and so forth you know you sit on the advisory board for a lot of different companies right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how much of the advice that you offer these tech-based companies how much of it entrepreneurship based as opposed to business small business based if that makes yeah sense. No, that's a good question i think it's a mix of both i think i mainly lean towards advising companies and specifically founders who i have a really good relationship with so I like sitting on the advisory board for companies where I can have a very personal dialogue with a founder on what problems they're facing, what ways I can help, and what ways maybe they can even help us, right? Because I do think that being an advisor in a company is a mutually beneficial kind of relationship. You know, you're not just giving, you're also getting in certain aspects. But the second thing I think is, obviously there's certain things at TrueFan that we've made mistakes with when it comes to hiring, when it comes to maybe fundraising a bit too early, when it comes to negotiating contracts 
um, for enterprise clients, when it comes to getting sponsorship, when it comes to navigating even COVID. We've made mistakes that I definitely want to share. And I think the most direct way of being able to share that is with the founder network that I've built up with some of those founders being a part of companies that I advise. So that's been really helpful as well is to kind of process some of the mistakes we've made and then pass them on, which really shows that I think I've learned from them ideally because they're kind of in, ingrained in my mind to the point where I'm sharing them. hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, the um, thought leadership that you, you know, exudes this, this virtual screen, like, I just feel like I'm talking to somebody very, very smart. And I'm sure, you know, you being able to share your experiences, your successes, your failures, your lessons um, will definitely continue to help these companies move forward. Now, taking off your advisory hat, I'd love for you to put on your investor hat. Um, you're also an investor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a sense, you, you, you make you make a great advisory board member for any company, right? right. Because you right. speak to whatever problems any businesses are having from whatever angle, because right. you've all those hats. Right. When did you start getting into investing? And at first, what did it look like? And now mm-hmm. as an investor, what do you look for? Totally, yeah, I mean, I guess I started investing just when I realized that, hey, I have this disposable income now that I'm not really doing anything with. And, um, you know, obviously right now in Canada, as a Canadian citizen, you mainly invest through your RSP and your TFSA. But at a certain point, when you match both of them out, um, you either got to create a margins account or you got to invest through your company. And so I thought, why don't I invest through my company? But why don't, I, why don't I invest in fields that I'm really interested in? And so the fields that I was really interested in were basketball, gaming, and social media. And so I thought, why not invest in those three areas? Because I also feel like those are areas that tie into TreeFan, they tie into the network I've built, they tie into the lessons that I've learned. Um, and so one of the first investments I made was in FaZe Clan, which is the world's most popular esports organization. We were actually very lucky to invest in FaZe Clan. Like my co-founder, Anik, and I did it together. And the reason we did it is because FaZe Clan was raising money and they went to round 13 capital which is the VC that backed TrueFan. And Round 13 decided to bring Onik and I in to give this presentation to them about esports and what the hell it even meant. And in the process of doing that, then Round 13 was like, okay, we don't actually think we're going to go forward with the deal. Um, Onik was super bold and just said, hey, can Swish and I maybe personally invest? And so Round 13 sent the profiles of us to Greg, who was at the time the president of Face Clan, and he thought it was great to have us in. So we wrote a small check there. I later on then wrote a check for a dental labs company that was started by a founder who I greatly look up to. Um, he runs a VC now called New Avenue Capital as well, and they fund a true fan as well. Um, and then also being able to then fund, obviously, a number of other companies, including Upstream, which I believe will likely take LinkedIn down in the next five to 10 years. Like These are some of the bets that I'm making within gaming, social media, and within basketball that I really enjoyed. So. You know, even with my board seats, I want to do stuff that I'm passionate about. Like, you're never going to see me endorse a blockchain company. I could hardly give a shit. Like, I, I, I would get too bored talking to the founder and understanding the problems they're going through. But I enjoy, you know, being able to get on founder calls where I can talk to them about their problems, which are in industries that I really care about and know a lot about. Right. 100%. 100%. Um, so what I heard was, Invest into things that you love. Into things areas. Into areas. Yeah. Into yeah. Areas. Yeah. Things that you do naturally. Now, outside of just the affinity for the area, mm-hmm. 
from a business perspective, what do you look for um, yeah. when it comes to investing into a startup company opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because the, the tech investments I've made have been in early stage companies where revenue wasn't really a thing. Like Face Clan and Smile Innovations Group are very well built. Um, and our investments into both were fairly small, but at the same time, they were, they were grossing seven figures, you know, eight figures, even for, for one of the companies and they're doing really, really well. But the reason I invested in them was partly because of either the cool factor, because I wanted to be a part of this world in a greater way. So for Onik and I, like we both wanted to be more involved in esports, So we decided to make the face clan investment or it's because of the founder in the case of Smile Innovations Group, or in the case of Upstream, like Upstream was started by the founder of Social Rank, who we bought his company from him and he decided to create a new company. So I just loved working with him when he was advising us as a part of Social Rank. And then when he sold to us, he was the most helpful person in the world with setting that deal up and going through and doing it really quickly, that I liked working with someone like that. And I knew he'd hustle his face off, he's in his mid forties, and he's looking for a big moonshot idea to be able to kind of build out and, and affect and impact the world. So I really liked the mission that he was on and, and wanted to kind of invest because of that personal philosophy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Acquisitions. Um, we'll get to that. We'll definitely mm -hmm. get to that. I, I have that on my list here. Yeah. Um, how much research? Uh, no, I'm not going to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> or is, have you always seen yourself as an entrepreneur or did that transition happen when you started companies like, Rafiki Media and Food Share. Yeah, I don't know. I don't ever saw myself as an entrepreneur. Really, I only, by the way, heard the word entrepreneur for the first time through Gary Vaynerchuk when I was like eighteen or nineteen. Like, mm -hmm. I'd always thought that someone who just builds a business is like, you're just in business. business. You're yeah. just in business. Like, you're yeah. a business owner. You know, I never heard about this word entrepreneur. And then when I started looking behind it and seeing how glamorized it was, and like, you know, influencers are talking about how they're entrepreneurs because they run, you know, a clothing line or whatever. I was just like, okay, this is interesting. It's a loose term, but it's mm -hmm. interesting because it seems to be a very attractive career choice. And so for me, I don't think I was an entrepreneur until I started TrueFan. And the reason why is because I think part of what comes with entrepreneurship is you need to be able to lead a team. I think being a solopreneur, which is what I would describe having one or two employees and kind of being on your own, it's totally cool. I think it's a form of entrepreneurship in the same way that I think entrepreneurship is a form of entrepreneurship, like starting your own new product within a bigger company, like WeChat, for example, did within Tencent. That's a form of entrepreneurship. But I think true, pure entrepreneurship at the end of the day is tied very hand in hand with management and leadership. And that really only comes as you start to add more people. So as you get three, five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 500 employees, that's when you really start to understand the pure sense of entrepreneurship and where the kind of idea of risk even comes into play. Because there are a lot of decisions that I'm making even right now where I think if things go wrong, it's not just my ass that might be on the line, but I might actually have to fire and let go of certain people within TrueFan who I have great respect and empathy for that might have to now go and look for another job in this desperate and crazy time. So there, there are thoughts like that that I think really make the stakes a lot higher. And when the stakes are a lot higher, I think you're inching closer towards what pure entrepreneurship, in my opinion, really is. Absolutely. And that was a beautiful way to put it. Um, and I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons what, what drove, drove us to, to launch this podcast, right? Was yep. you know, what we were doing with Tech Summit Unplugged and having athletes on there 
every single week for 15 straight weeks. Yep. Uh, entrepreneurship was at the forefront of that. As much yep. as they known of putting a ball in a hoop or punching a punching bag or whatever sport they were playing, we yep. were talking about what else were they doing? How else were they creating things that they could own mm-hmm. um, and leveraging their name and status to, to do more? So right. uh, I think entrepreneurship is, is a beautiful thing. I also think it's not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think, I think everyone should try it um, mm-hmm. because I think it'll give a lot of people, I, you know, it's, I think two things. One is selfish because I want more people to understand how hard it really is. Um, so I really want them to try it so they can see like, holy shit, like this is what being an entrepreneur is all about. You know, I'd love for my mom, like my mom actually recently became an entrepreneur. She started her own course, you know, she's doing English courses for people that want to take the TOEFL and IELTS exam. She's more of a solopreneur right now. Obviously she doesn't have a team under her, but she's already seeing how hard it is, you know, and like that's giving her newfound respect for what I do. And I hope generationally, like if my kid wants to be an entrepreneur, my mom isn't going to have the same reaction to him or her as she did with me when I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, So I think that's number one. And then number two, I think, Everyone should try it because even if you fail, the process of building a business from scratch will teach you so much. Like Anik and I keep talking about how we feel like in the last two and a half years of building TrueFan, we've pretty much gone through and gotten an MBA. Like we have learned how to build a team. We've learned how to build a product from scratch. We've learned how to sell our product to our first hundred customers. We've learned how to navigate a worldwide pandemic. We've learned how to acquire a company in under one month, how to go about due diligence, how to work with lawyers. Like you can't get that sort of education and experience of working on sales, product, marketing, legal, finance. You can't do that holistic thing without being able to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and so I think it is a unique opportunity to learn a lot as well and be more well-rounded. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You hit it right on the head. You hit it right on the head. As an entrepreneur, you, you wear multiple hats. And, yep. uh, depending on the day, depending on the situation, depending on the time. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm big in learning through progress, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You learn and you guys are a perfect example of um, that progression. Yeah, man. We've, uh, we've, we've been colleagues, friends, associates for less than two years, but I feel I know everything about you. Um, yeah, that's scary. Business and, and, you know, yeah. obviously screen, but, it's a testament to your character, right? I, and I feel that um, entrepreneurship really shows more of your character because you you can't fake the funk. You can fake the funk at work. Like yeah. you work top of funk. You <laughs> right, have right, things right. to do. If you do those things, you're good to go home and you can work yep. you forget about it. Yep. When you're an entrepreneur, there's no such thing. No. There's no, no. such thing. Yeah. No the, the ship will sail if you don't show up. So uh-huh. you got to hold yourself accountable and you also... Like it's, it's really cool because I've learned kind of this power also of being vulnerable, not only online, but with my team, you know, mm. and I think that's really cool too, to be able to, like you said, you can't fake it. Like if you're going through a bad day, if you feel like the company is going down a bad direction, be honest and share that. And I, I bet you found it, found it to be oddly motivating to our team when we're vulnerable with each other about what's working and what's not, um, because it kind of makes us feel like we're more now like a family than we are just like a group of people that are working virtually um, on a project. A hundred percent. Building that trust, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as as founder and, and CEO of the Athlete Tech Group, 
um, I'm, I'm so used to working by myself as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. with, you know, with Rosé Management, we would do the Do Your Part Celebrity Game, which is yep. a partnership with the city of Brampton. We yep. would do Athlete Tech Summit. We would do Innovate Her, partnered yep. with Shopify. Yep. There's no way that I could work with the same group of people on each project because they're yep. all different, right? Yep. Yep. So I became Masai Ujiri per project. Mm -hmm. I had to yep. go and find my Kawhi, no Paul George though. Yeah, no, <laughs> no pandemic P. <laughs> no <laughs> pandemic P. <laughs> uh, but I had to build my own teams, right? Yep. But yep. now, you know, as as we're building the athlete tech group, and you know, we have advisors like you. It's mm -hmm. okay, maybe Randy, you don't have to do everything. Maybe yep. you can build trust in in your marketing team, in your events team, in your social, your your content yep. team. Yep. And we've done it before. Go yep. and do it. Yep. Those little things, being able to not think about something that you normally think about frees you to think about things that you haven't thought about before. Totally. I agree. And, and I think you're going to do a great job, by the way, at it, because you have this weird, unique experience of now managing different teams every time. Right. So I bet there was also problems and struggles with that, right? Because you oh, found this true. good flow probably like, oh, this event went really well. And like, I loved working with them. But now I'm working with a whole new bunch of people that are wankers. You know, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn, like, what do I do? Like, you know, so I think you're going to be really good at it. Because somehow, like, even with the Athlete Tech Summit, when I attended, like, I just loved the way that you motivated the people around who were kind of like, there's this weird sense of ownership that I felt like a lot of your team members had, which is great. You know, that's exactly what you want them to feel. It's like, they're not just a part of this kind of event or this mission. Um, they're driving it and they're, they're kind of in that driver's seat too with you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Building trust and communication internally is, is super huge. Now you, you, you talked about this merger and mm -hmm. addition. Um, yep. Before we get there, when did you realize that true fan was a scalable business and when did you when when were you like you know what i'm going to give this thing 95 percent of my time yeah so i 95 percent of my time in in full honesty was so we started the company december of 2017. i was very much like okay i'm gonna like devote 95 percent of my time before the acquisition of socialing which was um august or september of 2019 um, so in between that time, which was about, you know, close to two years, um, I was maybe at around like 70, 75%, you know, I was doing what I needed to do, but I felt personally that, oh, my role is fundraising, hiring, team management, and then some top line sales. That was the four ways that I characterized my role about a year and a half ago. And then after the acquisition of social rank, I started really taking things more seriously. You know, I started to really go deeper into team management, into culture. Um, I started to really take a look at our interns program and think, how do I make sure that summer of 2020, no matter what the fuck happens to the world, definitely did not predict this would happen, but no matter what happens with the world, how do I ensure that the interns that come into our company, the four, five, six, seven interns, whatever it is, have the best experience possible where they go back to school and they think, I actually want to work at that place after I graduate. Um, started to take a look at sales even deeper, not just top line demos and then pass it on to my team. It was I am now going to look at every part of our sales cycle with my chief growth officer and say, how do we optimize that? How do we make sure that we go from point A to point B a lot quicker? How do we make sure that customer experience is even better? Right? So I think I started to take things a lot more seriously this year. And then especially with COVID, like 
the way that I saw us as a scalable product is the minute we started not only catering to enterprise companies, but we started to cater to any company in the world. So we had a pricing model before March of 2020 that was very conducive for the Warner Music, the Netflixes, the Saudi Aramcos, the MBAs of the world that would pay anywhere between $1,000 to $5,000 a month. But then after April, looking at the state of affairs and what was going on, we thought, why not put out an affordable transactional model that started at $24 a month and seeing that become incredibly popular and then like dealing with issues like customer churn and onboarding and customer experience, I started to really see TrueFan as a scalable product where a lot of the processes around onboarding and around getting value for any customer, let alone an enterprise customer, but a mom and pop shop or a startup or a small business, I started to think there's a much bigger vision we can go after now. Absolutely. Wow. That's a great way to look at it, to make sure that, you know, it makes sense in terms of the goals um, that you've, you've set forth. Now, you know, you, you, you jumped from 70 to, to 95 and now um, social rank comes around yeah. Walk us that that process and acquiring social rank and um you know how, how how did that elevate the business and increase your valuation like what did mm -hmm. acquiring social rank do for true fan totally yeah i mean so when we started true fan december 2017 we knew about social rank they were the gold standard of our industry of audience analytics so analyzing your followers and what they're talking about who they are where they're located being able to filter and sort and segment that information and so we always knew that we wanted to build towards social rank we started off as being an engagement platform a fan engagement platform but we knew that as time went by we wanted to get deeper into audience analytics and to allow any audience in the world to come onto our platform and be filtered and sorted and segmented and so kind of around november of 2019 was sorry not even november august of 2019 we had a call with alex who's the founder of social rank we had spoken to him maybe once or twice before and got some great advice from him and we were like hey how's social rank going and he's like yeah it's going well but honestly between you and i we're actually looking to shut social rank down um because we are both in our 40s his founder co-founder michael and him are in their 40s and they're like we're looking to shut this down because we want to go after a moonshot idea. You know, we believe that social rank can be an 80 to hundred million dollar company, but we're looking for this big unicorn. We've been building a side project called upstream, um, which is a company obviously now that I've, I've invested in, but we think that this project is going to yield um, a much better result for us in the short term. So we thought, why not acquire social rank? Because we thought there were a number of things we could do with it. Um, there were a number of changes that we'd love to make to it. Um, and along with acquiring the platform, we could also acquire their customers. And a lot of their customers included some of the biggest brands in the world, like Victoria's Secret, Uber, um, the NBA, the NFL, Bleacher Report, Turner Sports, United Talent Agency, all use their platform. So we could pick up a lot of big enterprise brands and have them come over to TrueFan and experience not just social rank, but the bigger platform we had built out beforehand too, the fan engagement platform. So that's exactly what we did. We put in an offer. I think September, late September, October of 20, 2019, we put in an offer. We did not come in, by the way, as the most lucrative offer for them. I think we were maybe third, third or fourth. But I think Alex and Michael both liked Onik and I. They liked our energy. We were young. We definitely didn't want to just buy this company and strip it down for parts and sell it. We wanted to actually grow this into something a lot bigger. And they knew that we'd take care of the customers that, that Social Rank had. 
Um, and Alex was very personally involved with some of those customers. Like he had brought them in from like four or five years ago. He, he had deep love and affection for them. So he wanted to make sure that the company that acquired them was going to take care of them. So we somehow got it and it's changed our whole business. You know, like we've gone from, again, being um, a fan engagement platform to an audience analytics company, you know, one that if you want to come on and you want to take a look at your audience, you can directly take a look at your audience on Instagram and Twitter and filter it and get very granular. It doesn't matter if you have 10,000 followers or a million followers or 20 million followers. I can show you the hundred people that follow you the most, that love your content the most, that are posting specific things that you care about. And so that's made our platform a lot more valuable. Um, and it's actually why we're even fundraising now is because we're pushing now towards even a bigger vision of not just being a great segmentation platform, but being an end-to-end -end data solution. Love that. That's exciting. That yeah. is exciting. <laughs> yeah, we're um, really excited. Before we get into, you know, this next fund round, walk us through, you know, your, 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 your funding up until, up till now, right? You, you probably ran a friends and family, your first angel, what was your first round? What was your second round? So on and so forth. Yeah, so our first round was a pre-seed round, and that was 550000 We raised from 22, 23 angel investors, um, some of whom were friends and family, but a lot of them were kind of friends and family off the friends and family, you know, yeah. like, like second-degree connections. And so we brought on some awesome A players like Michelle Romanov, Andrew DeCesa from ClearBank, Ryan Holmes from Hootsuite, um, Manny Pata from New Avenue Capital, Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers, Davon Reed, who was playing for the Miami Heat at the time. Um, and Jason Robbins, who runs DraftKings, just a couple of stellar people. And then a lot of just like awesome, great people who were involved in the social media marketing space that wanted to get in on this. Um, past that, in February of 2019, we then raised $250,000 from Round 13 Capital, which kind of became our first institutional check. Um, we moved our company from Vancouver to Toronto because of that. Um, we worked out of the Round 13 offices for about eight, nine months. Um, and later on in the year, around the time we were acquiring SocialRank, we got another cash injection from round 13. This time it wasn't an equity round though, it was venture debt. Um, and so we had arranged a really good debt deal with them. And um, we had basically used some of the proceeds from that debt deal to go towards acquiring SocialRank as well. So we've done three rounds, you'd say. Um, obviously, you know, one of the things we're really proud about is that TrueFan has been cash flow positive since December of 2019. So now, this year, yeah, hold go ahead. on, hold on. Yep. for our listeners, explain yep. what that means. Yes. So even in the tech world, by the way, this is a word that you likely never hear. Um, but we make more money than we spend. <laughs> like, there it is. That's very rare. That's very rare for tech companies to do that. Because again, a lot of them, they try acquiring users. And so they spend a shit ton of money, but they don't make that much because they're hoping that in four, five, 10 years, 15 years, maybe five years after the IPO, they'll start to make money. Some of them do, some of them don't. But for us, we knew that as a SaaS platform, one of the things that was going to be really appealing to investors down the road or to a potential acquirer is how sustainable our business model was. So we had a really, really strong focus on making sure we reached profitability as quick as possible. And so we reached that within two years. December of 2019 was the first month we became cash flow positive. And we've been cash flow positive ever since despite COVID. Um, and so one of the things we're able to do now is be very stringent on fundraising. We don't need to fundraise so we can come to the table and have a much stronger hand to investors to say, we don't need to fundraise. 
we don't need your money. What we're looking for now is more of a strategic partner that is really well in tune with our industry, has a number of great connections that could benefit from our platform, or just has some incredible experience that might be able to help us with fundraising down the road. So the two investors we brought on, again, these aren't part of formal rounds, but the two investors we brought on this year were Canaccord, um, that is a top five bank here in Canada, and Stadia Ventures, which is a big sports accelerator in the United States. Amazing. This guy is killing shit. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Randy as a, a dedicated advisor who we, we were very lucky to have on. Last I, don't do, I don't do nothing. I just be hanging out. No, no, no. Just, hey, we have a dinner. Can I come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, honestly, and I don't want to talk about it right now because I know I can't, but there's a lot in the weeds that Randy's helped set up <laughs> that, that we're looking to kind of push forward on. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the time this plays, Basecamp will be over. So if you didn't attend Basecamp and you missed out, make sure you come to the next one because you might, never, might be there. Yeah. Now, so I want to uh, ask you about your life goals, right? During your last statement, um, um, you said, yeah, um, they, they loved Anik and I because we were young. Correction, you are young. Right, right, right. <laughs> 23, yeah, you know, yeah. 22, 23, killing it. Mm -hmm. But at what point, like, what, what, do, what does Swish's, what are, what are your ultimate life goals? And I'll, I'll, I can actually start by answering this. You know, I have That'd a life goal of, of being a stay at home dad. Mm -hmm. I want to at least sell one company. Nice. I, to be able to build basketball courts in Toronto and mm -hmm. underserved communities mm -hmm. and Ghana. Yep. Um, I want to essentially leave this corporate world and just work in nonprofit and just impact, impact, impact. Maybe Those are politics? My... Maybe politics? I could see you I as mayor. I, or, I got or too many tattoos. Oh man, don't worry about that. Trudeau has tattoos as well, bro. That boy is repping tattoos on his arm. <laughs> Trudeau's half black. Yeah. Is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Justin Trudeau for yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 launching the Black Funders Fund 221 million chickens. Shout out for him. He's been taking yeah. care of the whole country. I mean, sir. Yeah, say what you will. Yeah, you've done a great job. They've, done a phenomenal they've, job. they've taken care of us. And um, this, is, this is why ATG means so much to me because what's going to help restart the economy? Yep. The entrepreneurial mindset and that's what we're yep. working on. but yep. swift what are your goals yeah i mean so i have a crazy amount of goals um but i think kind of in the distant future like i want to pivot one day from entrepreneurship and i maybe want to do something that is entrepreneurial within the entertainment space um or even creative uh, i love writing it's a big part of my life so um i've kind of put it down as a goal to write a screenplay whether that's for a short film or a feature film, who knows, we'll see. You know, I've written a 150 page book now and that took me two and a half years to get done and was gonna get launched this year, but sadly got pushed back. And I can tell you the process of writing is excruciatingly painful. Um, so we'll see about that. I would love to direct, I would love to go to film school and finish my degree maybe in film. Um, I'd, I'd love to also dance. You know, I have a big passion for dancing. And you can I dance. I, I can't. <laughs> You can dance. 
I, I've tried. I've tried. I, I danced a lot growing up and then I stopped doing it. So I, I only dance now at club, which is where ah, Randy normally sees the moves. Next <laughs> yeah, time yeah. I'll record it. Next time I'll yeah. record it. But um, I'd love to dance. I'd love to do something in a more formal setting, dance as a part of a club or part of like a group. Um, and then my long-term goal in life is to run for office one day. So whether that's in my 30s or my 40s, who knows? But um, I've always been keen about politics. You know, I've volunteered now for two political campaigns. One when I was 15 years old, which was a mayor election in Calgary, and the second was um, for our our MP in Calgary. Um, when I was 17, I went door knocking with him and. Uh, just learning about political campaigns through both of those at a very grassroots level was just so cool to see. And it kind of reminded me also, by the way, a lot of entrepreneurship, like uh, mm. the, the early days of a political campaign are actually very similar to the early days of a startup. So I definitely want to get involved in that, whether it's as a candidate or a political strategist, I have no clue, but um, it's definitely something I want to do down the road. Absolutely. Yep. That is phenomenal. Um, yeah. So if in all, I want to win an Oscar and I want to be PM. So that, yeah. I, I'm with it. Remember, yeah, he said it here first. I want to win it all and I want to be a PM. I want to win an Oscar, sorry. And I want to be prime minister. Hey, Moose, that's going to be our title for this. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> future prime minister. You saw it here first. Swish, thank you so much. For, for, for joining us today. You know, any, any last words for our, our, our entrepreneurs or our parents or our students that are listening to this? No, I think the biggest thing is uh, please take these words and, and try to understand that if, uh, if a person from, you know, an immigrant really to Canada who has a list, who, uh, you know, definitely has a lot of things that go for him, but also a lot of things that didn't go for me. Um, if, you know, I can go through and I can start a business at a young age and kind of get through it alive and be able to talk about it with a smile, um, I bet you're going to be able to do that. And again, I'm not even the worst example when it comes to entrepreneurs that have overcome barriers and obstacles and built something great. So take a lot of solace in that and, and try to look at examples locally that maybe, you know, an entrepreneur you can talk to, reach out to for coffee and see if you can get off the ground that way. Um, and the second thing is continue to follow ATG. Because I think a lot of these podcasts are going to be super informative. I love the questions and how deep we dive into certain things. So I definitely think, you know, some of these interviews are going to be super inspiring and motivating for, for especially young entrepreneurs. Absolutely. That was amazing. Um, Swish, as, as a friend, as an advisor, um, as a follower of, you know, your, your moves and the things that you're, you're doing to continue to build, um, we're proud to say that, you know, you're an advisor to ATG and your success means our success. So we're going to continue to help push forward, um, you know, help you reach those goals. But you never told us about the round. Yeah. <laughs> you tell us what the round looks like. So yeah, we, we, yeah. <laughs> Greatest transition ever. But uh, yeah, we are fundraising right now. And like I mentioned, we've realizes broader vision for true fans so we, we kind of realized three things number one that the marketing industry is going towards first party data so it's moving away from third party data brands these days that you want to own all of their customer data and have it where they can directly segment and filter it the second is we realized our platform can actually segment any form of data so we've now built a system where you can not only upload social media data and you can filter and sort it you can filter weather data, voting data, sales data, um, you know, web traffic data, any sort of data that's an Excel or CSV file, 
you can upload it into our system, which definitely I think is going to broaden TrueFan in terms of not just being a social media data analytics company, but just a data analytics company in general. And then the third is we realize that brands want a lot more actionability with the data that we're offering them. So they don't only want to be told who my top 50 fans are, they want to know what can I do with that. And so we're starting to build some level of actionability as well in terms of allowing you to maybe send emails to all of those people or re-upload those people into a CRM that you're using like Salesforce or HubSpot. So what we're trying to fundraise right now is to try to build this end-to-end solution where TrueFan comes in and we help brands activate, generate first-party data and go through and segment any audience in the world. Absolutely. And the common theme there was data. If you want to know more about what data means today and what it's going to mean tomorrow, head to netflix.com, type in the social dilemma, Mm -hmm. and you'll understand why true fan is important. And you'll understand why data is important. Swami, I'm not going to try to say your full name. (laughs) My guy, thank you so much for joining us today for another exciting episode of the Unplugged podcast. Um, I am your host. Randy Osei, and we'll see you next week.